right, welcome back. Again, I'm Sean Bender, and I'm speaking with Angela Ye, the founder and uh, are you the president or CEO of Ye Ideology? What's, what's, what's your founder and? I'm actually a co-founder of Ye Ideology and um, CEO. Uh, Vic, my husband, has been an, an integral part of the back end, kind of the operation side. You know, you, with thankfully, with every creative, you need the sound business mind to support you, uh, which is great because I myself am a creative and I myself love building and creating and, you know, where, you know, you need the counterpart to say, all right, what are the infrastructures? What's the logistics? Let's let's make sure that we pay attention to the finance and the budgets. This is about business. <laughs> So. Right. And uh, speaking of that, in terms of getting things moving, uh, just to recap where we've been, Angela, we've kind of followed you along your journey from the very beginning, uh, you know, starting as a childhood empath, then as a middle school Dr. Ruth, all the way to a rat pup EMT. And then we left off where you were <laughs> sort of becoming a design mentor in grad school. And you realized that you were very, uh, you were very instrumental in supporting a lot of your fellow grad students in their careers as you were also pursuing your own. So we're basically getting to the end of your grad school career. And, and uh, what was happening to you at that time? You know, between the, what was it? I love how you framed that rap pup <laughs> from ENT. that ENT to, you know, being an advocate for creatives and designers. And I myself tested my hand at being a designer. And I actually moved quite rapidly uh, into being in a, you know, a design manager at dance, uh, you know, tabletop dinner in dinnerware industry to, you know, associate design director at Estee Lauder. But I quickly realized while I was very good at moving through being a creative professional, I didn't love it. And I think that that's something that was really, you know, later in, in, in the work that I've done with, through recruitment, through uh, coaching, realizing that it was so important to know whether I was good at something, it didn't necessarily meant that that's where I needed to be. Um, and realizing that I, even though I was good at it, I didn't love it, you know, and that, that's something that I'll note, you know, I've noticed as I've worked with others, that that's something that we forget, especially when you work with people who are incredibly gifted and talented. And there's that notion, but I'm good at it, right? And then there's the other, you know, we can, these are obviously touching on other topics that we'll get into in other podcasts. Sometimes there's stuff that you love doing, but that may not be also where you, you know, you're meant to put, build that career, right? So, and that's interesting. So if we could jump back a second, like you as a practicing designer. So I think one thing that definitely helps kind of going on into your realm of recruitment is the fact that you mentioned you were on the ground doing a lot of that design work, starting from the bottom and working your way up. And so that discovery process, what was that like? What were you experiencing? And then what ultimately helped you to realize kind of where you wanted to be as a professional? Mm. I think that as a designer, it is an extremely isolating profession. It, you're while we're teaching and working with others to build their business, to grow, build, find solutions, create new opportunities for others. We're helping others unpack and, and explore and find opportunity where they previously could not. 
being a creative myself was, um, and having walked that path myself, um, it's hard because other creatives couldn't necessarily tell me, you know, where I was meant to be. And, um, you know, it was hard to, just to qualify who I was as a creative. And it was a lot of just random trial and error, you know, realizing that I myself had to iterate through it. And then there was a point of realizing that maybe the method that I was using, or, or let's be honest, there was no method at that moment of trial and error. And then coming to realize that and then looking for methods myself to help me find out where I was meant to, to be, what I was meant to build. And there was, through a lot of my youth, was absolute angst at, um, throughout, you know, times of my, in my youth, wondering, what am I, what am I meant to do? What is my, um, where am I to make my impact? Um, and a lot of the people around me had just, you know, all my friends and families and colleagues or relatives, you know, everybody just picked something, landed it and just stayed with it. Um, so, uh, it took a while for me to go through that self-discovery process, um, to find out, to validate and be okay, actually with saying, you know what? I love design, but maybe making in the process of making is not for me, you know? Even though I could do it, I could sense that my heart wasn't in it. But then I started to notice and be able, I was able to pull back and listen to what mattered to me and where I was starting to make impact. And then I think back to the last episode that you and I just were talking about. And I remember when I reflected back at my history, I remember those moments where I loved when I was at Pratt, those, you know, from like in middle of the night, watching other people designing and fascinated by what they were doing and how they each came to a solution from a different path and how spin forward to my, my role at dance as a design ma uh, manager, how I was fascinated by other designers that have built their craft, but then they were still stuck trying to, I guess, you know, I remember meeting designers that had, such incredible aesthetic sensibility, incredible sense of form, the, the nuances of that. And then having them come to us and, and me telling them, yeah, your work is phenomenal, but it's not meant for tabletop and lifestyle. You need to go to medical or you need to go to soft goods because you have the sense of flexible material, you know? So it, it took time for me to do this in introspective work. Where did I go to find this? Um, I, I looked at so many different books. Um, there are so many books out there, you know, what colors your parachute. Um, uh, to me, that was good. There's so many assessment tests out there. I think I took, you know, DISC, Strength Finder, Myers and Briggs. I actually particularly do enjoy Myers and Briggs that did help me understand myself. And I've used that as one of the many tools that we use when we work with creative professionals today or anybody, you know, just to have, help them understand themselves initially to begin that process. So, so I guess my next question is like, um, normally, especially with a lot of creatives that you've spoken to that I know and I've spoken to, um, it seems strange in perspective to start in this design career and then make that move over to recruiting. So how did you start 
realizing that's what you wanted to do? And then what were those little marching steps towards realizing that's what you wanted to focus on? Well, it, actually, it was someone else noticing. Um, I think it was Janu Pactor that that that's one of the, you know, it's one of the recruitment firms in design. And they actually tapped me on the shoulder and had said to me, look, we think that you would, you could, you know, be a good recruiter. And at that point, um, this is when I had gone to them, you know, they had actually placed me at Estee Lauder and I didn't enjoy it. I just, you know, <laughs> I just could not, it, it was so Barbie doll, so perfect for, you know, and so poised. <laughs> and at the time I was just like, this is not my world. I tried to connect with the people there and I just didn't enjoy that environment. And I did go back to Janu Pactor and they actually came back to me and said, would you recruit? And for me, I'm like, okay, someone's recognizing something in me. But before I move into this, in my mind, I'm thinking, what's going on? I mean, you know, undergrad psychology, you know, go and switch to master's in industrial design. And I'd spent so many years building an, um, an expertise in industrial design to find that I didn't then love design. I mean, it was, you know, it's so disappointing. You know, why am I not making my mark? Why am I not being, being able to sustain a career? And then to, to think, do I have to pivot again? And there was a moment there where I did take that Myers and Briggs test. And that was one of those moments where I looked at it and I said, you know what? I'm, I'm good at this, you know, data shows, shows me things that I knew, but I didn't, it qualified for me what I could be good at. And so, yeah, uh, you know, I just uh, went into it and found that I absolutely loved it. Um, I think it was, for me, this really took my passion for people, my passion for design, and uh, actually didn't end up joining Juno Pactor, actually. When I decided to, to look into that, I, start, I, I know that I'm very entrepreneurial. I know that I have very strong um, ideals and concepts of how I want to execute what I do and the method I want to develop around it. And I realized that Juno Pactor had a system that I wasn't very comfortable with, that, that I wanted to, you know, build my cat, my practice. So I ended up working with Junu Pactor, another, I'm, I'm sorry, not Junu Pactor. So then I actually, uh, I didn't go to Junu Pactor. Actually, I researched different companies and realized that I wanted to craft my own practice. So I actually went to work for Judy Wirt, another well-known recruiter in this industry. Um, and there, you know, I actually went to them, proposed it to them. I said, look, this Janu Pactor is asking me to build the practice of industrial design recruitment because they didn't have it yet. And in fact, Janu, uh, Judy Work didn't have it yet either. And I said, look, I know this industry. I know the people in it. I know who is good at, you know, certain categories and, and styles of design. And so I actually, um, you know, brought that on, joined Judy Work and built the practice of design, industrial design recruitment at uh, Wharton Co. And that's how that all began. You so know. it began for you actually in another group. And so was there a strategic choice behind that? I mean, you, you talked about how you noticed from one company moved over to another and then kind of started there. So like, why did you do that? You know, when you're going to start in a new space, 
I mean, I certainly could. I a lot people have asked me, why didn't you just start your own recruiting firm, or why didn't you just go run, you know, become your own independent recruiter? But if this is a new business, it's a new industry. I don't know uh, how to do it. So when people ask me, do I should I, especially younger creatives, you know, they starting out in their career, they when people ask me if I've not done this before, why don't I start my own business? And I would say that there are so many different millions of different ways to build your own practice. And thus out of that, really what's right, the right way to build a business, it has to be based on what you're good at, but also needing to know what the industry will bear and what structures have been built. So why, I didn't want to go and you know ten, take 10 years to figure it out. Let me go and work with some of the best agencies that were asking me to join them. So you know I, I chose um, Wharton Co. And so there I was able to see how that business built it so that I could you know focus on building my craft Right. Even though I had this innate sensibility of people, this innate um, acuity on design and how different creative professionals develop that, I had not still refined it at that point. Right. So knowing that I needed to refine that knowledge. So I think when you think about anybody that's moving into a new industry, you just start your own business. Yeah, you could. And there are people who have been successful at doing that quite successful. But I'm going to also be honest and tell you that having watched and, and I'm going to use quick analogies of what I've seen over the years, my more than, you know, 20 years in this practice, I've seen creative professionals who've become very successful running their age, their own agency, and, and to become really big. But I've also seen and watched which no one will really know how that is a ridiculously small percentage compared to the many that have attempted it. And not been able to succeed to a certain point. You know what I mean? So. So basically you kind of constructed this amazing opportunity. You're having an opportunity to work for an established company, hone your craft, build it into what you want. So then, you know, many people would say, Hey, Angela, why, why didn't you just stay in that space? Kind of stay the course and just keep moving. Yeah. Um, I could tell that that environment was not right for me. Um, there, I needed to grow. There's a point where you outgrow the place that you're at. You know, when, when you think about employer and talent, there's a, play, there's a moment when you outgrow that environment and that construct. And I could sense that it was time that I was outgrowing it. And I, I needed to move on and try my hand at something different. Um, I, I was starting to, you know, recognize when you're in an organization and, a, and you recognize the system and the process, you start to recognize what's working in that process and organizational design, business design, what, you know, I, no name for that at that moment, but realized that, um, you know, the way business was being structured, it didn't work for me. Um, and actually, that's right. Uh, I got, I was per, being pursued by another recruiting firm, you know, to build the practice of design recruitment, industrial design recruitment, which grew into, well, we'll get into that later, all the different, 
you know, categories that become industries unto themselves, like design research or use experience, you know, UX, service design, all that. Um, I got pursued by another company, short-lived, and it was very, um, I think you and I, Sean, we were talking, debating about this with before another recruitment agency that had a system and a method in how to recruit and the business of recruitment actually in essence a lot of them it's just have the client the employer tell us what you need what are the top attributes what are the basic skills and expertise what companies do you want them from and then just find those profiles and throw them over the wall and kind of throwing talent over some proverbial wall, not knowing what that feedback was, not knowing what that response was, how the employers were seeing talent or perceiving talent, you know, not being able to have that dialogue frustrated me to no end. And I left one agency and then was um, hired to lead design recruitment at another company, the creative resource. Um, There I built up uh, a pretty good practice for our firm. We were really an up-and-coming mid, mid-sized recruitment firm for design and uh, built so many teams. Let me just say that nothing, what I've come to learn is nothing stays permanent. Nothing stays static. Um, you know, business, the traditional MBA business world, the concept of success is that you build a structure in a system and you just replicate it. However you understand how that system works, you build a SOP, standard operating procedures, and you follow the program. You build software that supports it. And I realized that the recruitment business model was not working. And once a company, most companies actually, once they build a system, they need to just work within that system. And that is a sign of proof. How many years have you done it? How much revenue did you develop? Um, If you have problems, just try to work around the system, you know, like, but keep work using the method and recruitment just wasn't working for me. Uh, I find, you know, I did move on from the creative resource and I, in the end I joined, I had quite a few people at the time had asked me, go start your own recruiting firm. And at the time I wasn't ready. Um, you know, and finally, I think I joined, I, in the end, I joined Roz Goldfarb Associates, you know, out of design recruitment firms, Roz Goldfarb Associates was the ultimate, you know, executive design recruitment. And there under, you know, Roz herself, um, that team of amazing recruiters, that was where I kind of thought that I would just you know, finish my career, settle there, stay there and build my, you know, continue to just do my work as a recruiter. Um, but that, that of course then ended at some point. Well, and that's also interesting. Cause like, um, you know, I think when you just kind of process the story right away, I'm, I'm surprised to see that there are so many layers. Like this is a, an idea that really had to germinate sort of like in the core of your head and just kind of always back there until finally, spoiler alert, you know, you do break off, you start your own design recruitment firm. And so uh, what I'm curious about is, you know, you had all these levels of your career having to pass through. There was just this little idea in your head that you had to really like germinate and sort of keep on the back burner until you finally just sort of pulled the trigger and, and did your own thing. And so I'm curious, what was your unique approach that you were bringing to the field and, and why did you believe in it so much? 
you know, at that moment, it wasn't like I was conscious of this. It wasn't like I said, oh, you know, the business model of recruitment isn't working. It needs to change. I wasn't consciously aware of it. Um, I was just realizing that it was so frustrating. The first phase, and, and now having worked with so many people, I'm as I'm telling this story, I could kind of, hindsight is 2020. And now seeing as I'm recounting that, that journey in that moment, realizing that first it was just absolute um, depression. I was depressed. Let me tell you about this crazy moment where um, I, I couldn't understand this. Uh, I'm at the best of the best recruitment agencies, revered by the industry. We're making so many amazing connections, bringing great talent to great companies. So this should be great, right? I loved the company that I was at, was respected for the work that we were doing, uh, loved my colleagues. So you got to love the environment. Um, and I knew what I was doing, but yet something was not working. And it was so hard to put my, the place, you know, to put my nose on it and, and, and know what that was. Um, I did a lot of, again, soul searching, you know, I already knew what I was good at. Um, but then I started to realize like, and, and really, let me tell you, there, were, there was a, a time where I realized, I started to realize my weekends were great. My evenings were great. And there was a moment where I noticed one day a Sunday night came such like starting to feel tired and starting to feel exhausted. And then Monday morning feeling even more strangely tired. And then at work, getting to work, feeling so incredibly soporific. My, my laptop's right here and I'm just putting my hands on it, just realizing and remembering how it was so hard for me to just email, make a phone call, something tell was telling me that I was not happy and I could not put, I could not identify it. Right. Um, when you don't have the optics for it now, looking at myself back, knowing the work that I do for others to help them gain that clarity and to distinguish what this is. But when you don't know what is not connecting with you when you're not in the flow, not being able to distinguish. Um, at that moment, it took me a while to figure it out. And, you know, just really said it myself at first to say, why am I not continuing to just do this um, and, and keep moving? Because I know what I'm doing. And finally, I think I read a lot of books. God, I don't know, even remember the books that I had read back then. Worked with different coaches, worked with therapy to try to just make myself happy. You know, first phase, absolutely. And I think therapy is so beautiful because it's the realization that, and really putting a form around, a method around identifying what that is. But then it, finally, I think I read a book about, you know, how to start your own business. And I, and I started to realize that this was something that was pulling at me throughout my career. And all of a sudden I, and I took a program, I think at the time I took scores, um, it validated the concept that I started, that I realized I needed to do. And, and I validated that I could do this. And I, and I went and, and I, you know, chose, went through a mental process also to say, do I want to leave this great company and these great people that I love working for? 
uh, and I did with their blessing, you know, went to, had a conversation with Roz and said, look, it's time for me to do this. She gave me her blessing. It was beautiful to have that. What did I notice? I want to go back to what you said. Design, I think recruitment is hard. You can't just, how do you take a test to say someone's aesthetic sensibility is going to solve our company's business problems um, in combination. And let, let's, 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 if we're going to get into this, let's break it down a little, right? A, a designer is going to have a certain aesthetic sensibility. And this is older frame. Nowadays, there's a lot more layers to this, but there's aesthetic sensibility. There's technical, functional, mechanical aptitude. There is business aptitude. There is emotional, empathic work that's happening, understanding your customers' needs, understanding your, your different stakeholders. There's so many layers to this. And I think it's um, hard for businesses to break this down. You know, you can't really, there's today, there's so many recruitment softwares and tools. And we've had so many companies that we've worked with where they've, you know, it's an obligation where HR and procurement says, yes, you've got to try the app. So they go and they try the app. How do you plug in a certain aesthetic sensibility? How do you plug in solutioning methodology? And this, it's a term that I've, you know, in our company, it's, it's a word that we've, we've created just for us to say, what is each designer, each creative's method? What is that? And how do you frame that? So that you under so when an employer or a client can say, that's the kind of talent that I need, right? Um, on the inverse, let me just say that first I cared about designers because that's where I came from. I myself was a designer, and I only thought about companies. And I've heard so many stories as a designer myself, coming from that place. Um, there's hundreds and thousands upon thousands of stories I've heard from creative professionals saying, this company hired me to solve this problem, but they don't understand my ability. And they're not allowing me the, the channels, the funds, the amount of time, um, the agency, basically, to, to help them solve their problem. But over the years as a recruiter, the one thing I came to realize is there's an interesting construct happening here. Business, when I get to know them, leaders, design leaders, or business leaders, there's a challenge there. There's a challenge for any business when you build a team of people, and we're not even talking just creatives, but any company that's going to build a team of people to support them, this pyramid, right, I often reference refer to the, the human pyramid, right? The org structure. It's really hard for businesses to find the right people. Um, I've seen companies lose a lot of money. I've seen companies waste time and money building the wrong product because they had the wrong people on the team. Or even if they had the right talent, sometimes they have talent that, that don't get along, <laughs> right? So there's just so much on both sides. And so what I love what I ended up loving, and I do still love this, that we can go into this. I'm going to talk about how I lost the love for recruitment for a while and then refound it. Um, 
I feel like uh, in this work, I feel like we are doing our small part to help businesses create incredible products, solutions, innovate, and thus in that extended way, we're helping them change the world. And at the same time, we're helping talent find opportunity. Um, it's a win-win if we do this well. We have, I know, watching teams within companies, when you build an, an amazing team of talent uh, and they collaborate so well, what they produce is exponential and it's amazing. So, okay, you've, you hinted at a little something there. So you said that you kind of fell out of love with recruitment. So uh, you have rekindled that love in terms of the advocacy and the help you can offer to others. But mm. what was that missing piece that kind of maybe started to get you to stray down a different path? Mm. Two things, I think. I think if we evolve, just so you know, I'm listening to myself kind of as I'm about to tell this piece of the story, but I'm, you know, I'm at another inflection point, right? Um, I've built my recruiting firm. We're about just, and, and as I'm building it, we're being able to create our own method, by the way, of recruitment that allows us more space and time to help employers understand talent in a different way um, and understand how to bring candidates to the table and help them understand what the employers need. So this is a lot more than just placing bodies over the wall. Um, this is about mutual respect from employers and talent. And in fact, almost turning that relationship a little bit sideways because really a company needs to respect the kind of talent they bring together. Um, two things started to happen. I realized, we're starting to realize, you know, I'm speaking at conferences, you know, it, being interviewed for books and for podcasts and um, judging conferences uh, and design competitions. I, but uh, everywhere I'm going, I'm hearing more and more people telling me that they are stuck in their career and or out of any one, any one search that we're working on, okay, is there are literally hundreds, hundreds of candidates that we have to consider. We're meeting, you know, several, right? We're talking 50 people we're having conversations with to get down to the, to the five, you know, to the 20, to the five. And everybody's saying, I'd like to have help. And the business model of recruitment does not allow us to spend time and help them. In fact, I continually attract people who on our yay ideology has always attracted some of the most brightest creative professionals that care about their colleagues and the mission of helping designers find opportunity. And I think as we were building yay ideology, so many of my, my team and I wanted to have something. And even um, I remember five years in yay ideologies existed for five years. And I remember Divya on my team who I was interviewed for the design and thinking documentary. And she pauses the video 
this is when she was just beginning to work with us. And she looks at me and she goes, because I had said in that video, we're going to one day build something so that we can help professionals, creative professionals understand how to craft and design their career. And she stopped the video and she's like, when are you going to do this? You just filmed that video, you know, several years ago, when are we going to do this? So that was when we realized it was time to push aside recruitment. When you're running a business, all guns, everybody. It's like a big Viking ship. Everybody's like, row, row, row towards recruitment. And how do you tell one person or a few people, oh, you just like turn that way and go make room for that. You know, all of us had to make time and space for something to build that. And by the way, building something new takes more time and money and effort to germinate something. You know, having worked with some of my, my colleagues in startup world and business um you know, business coaches, you know, Bruce Eckfeld is one of my uh, people that I know really well. It's like, or Julia Pimsler, it's, if you build something new, it's going to take much more time to build, build it. So finally, yay ideology, we're, we're busy with recruitment. We created space to start offering coaching, career coaching. Um, first it began one-on-one and then it of course spun into our Thrive by Design masterclass program that we have today. Um, so that was one thing, realizing that there were more people out there that we just couldn't help. When you start to realize an ability and you realize that there is a problem that you understand that nobody else understands, first you think, well, maybe someone else is gonna do this. You know, you think, well, I'm too busy over here doing recruiting. We don't have time for this. And then you realize that people are coming back and saying, you need to help me because no one knows this space of design. You know, I had people coming back to us after they'd gone to career coaches, read books, career coaches who are outside of this, going to therapy, doing books, doing build a business program, all those things, but they didn't know how. And so that's when we realized we had to do this to help people. That was something that I could, I was starting to, at this point, listening to what I'm feeling compelled to do and knowing to listen to it and realize what I had to build out of it. Um, the other thing that was happening, and I mentioned it earlier, is um, when we, when I, I've been doing this for more than 20 years now, recruitment. And when we started back then, companies, and, and this is, we're watching the, the world of biz work, of employment, is changing and it's changing quite rapidly right now, post pandemic. Um, you, you know, the, you, we've gone through that age where it was the industrial age. You had massive corporations versus lots of small businesses. And in these massive corporations, you're building teams of designers or consultancies, even teams of designers. But there's something happening now just in the outside of design, the way talent employers and talent, that relationship, the way that the dynamics there, how that works, it's changing. Particularly if you're very talented and very good at what you do. Um, we've seen employers, you know, wonder, why can't I have so-and-so famous or successful? Because they've done it, you know, this design leader. And then meanwhile, we talk to the design leader and they're like, I've done that. I know what it takes. And I could do that again, blindfolded, but I'm not doing it again because I'm moving on to doing something else that I'm following. I'm following my state of flow, let's say, right? One of different, you know, 
ways to frame that. Um, and so that's interesting for employers to understand how do you capture talent when they're still in, you know, I think that the business of recruitment, whether it's with a recruiting firm or when companies have to hire talent themselves, employers and clients, you know, companies, when they look at talent, they look at the history. This is what a resume is. This is what LinkedIn is. This is what your portfolio does too, actually. Um, A whole different level of challenges there with portfolios. Um, I think that most employers won't look to look at someone's history to see what they've done. Now in other markets, if you are looking at a teacher, a secretary, a lawyer, a doctor, an accountant, you could say, oh my God, someone's got so many years doing this. This is perfect. They are now at this level of expertise, right? And now we know if they're qualified and those people stay want, want to stay on that same path. But the world of design, people in this space are highly self-aware, highly cognizant of their state of flow, whether they're in love with what they're doing or not. Similar to my own journey now, and I understand this as I've worked through others and I'm hearing my own journey and realizing what I didn't realize and what I myself had moved through. And the first phase is realizing whether you love it or not. And then the second phase is knowing what do you follow? Do you follow what you love? But then beyond that, there, you know, we'll get into other podcast series, I'm sure, about like how do you then refine knowing where you're going? But employers are often struck with oh my God, so-and-so's famous. Why can't I get them? They've just proven they've done it. Or why can't we? We want someone who has 10 years doing it. Um, and, and now, you know, if you're looking at creative talent, you're not always going to find someone who's done it for 10 years and still wants to do it again. Not to just replicate. And the to me, the business, MBA, the non-creative mindset, employers and clients will say, you did that. 10 times for these other companies do it exactly the way, same way for us, right? And we know that that statement is so wrong in so many ways. And I think also as a prerequisite to every conversation between two creative professionals, the concept of flow comes up. I think that you're required to have it come up. Uh, I'm pretty sure Mahale, she sent me high, gets like a dollar every time somebody mentions it. But but I, I think that really says a lot just in terms of your approach and how you come to recruitment with a different lens, but also how that's evolved into more of a design advocacy, like not only just helping individuals understand their own career, but helping those outside understand their careers. So, you know, right now you are in the midst of this great coaching endeavor, and you're also still in the recruitment space. What's the future? What's the next five, 10 years going to look like for you? Mm. We are coming to such an amazing moment for the design industry. I've grown myself as, as a creative. Um, and who is it had helped me understand this? My space of understanding is somewhat ethnographic research, but talent strategies, helping people understand their craft, understanding what they need to do to evolve their craft. But really, if we're talking about creative 
professionals, it's understanding the highest quality of impact. What's the company in the business that's going to really need this the most? Take your art form and really allow it to impact their business um, on that respect. And this is, again, speaking from the talent side, from an employer side, helping employers now understand what is the ultimate mission? You know, a lot of times we have, by the way, it's a crazy thing. Sometimes we've gone back to our data and we find that companies have taken a year to two years to stop, to finally realize that they're ready to work with us to say that they need something, that they've taken that long to realize what they've needed. And now we're actually so fortunate for us to be able to work with um, companies and employers to now help them even before they craft the title. You know, first we often get companies that say, it's taken us a year to two years. We now know what we're missing in our org structure. We know what kind of design talent we need. Um, but now we're even having that conversation with them because some when we work with them, we help them realize Maybe your understanding of what you need may might benefit from, from this shift, shift in perspective. So now we have companies that are coming to us, um, contracting us to uh, partner with them to even just identify what kind of org structure, what is it that the company's mission, um, what is it about the goal, and where, where, what are you trying to do to get there, and what are the resources that you have, where do you want to build this for your company? Where do you want to position your company? So what kind of talent do you need to build out getting to that goal as quickly as possible, as profoundly as possible, right? Because the right kind of talent, I, I know employers, managers, you know, startup advisors, they all know one of the most critical aspect to transforming a company's business is the quality of the, the talent that you have. Not just that each one individually, but how they work together. Um, so this is what we're doing now. I love this with recruitment, um, helping businesses through talent, through talent strategies. Um, this is the work that we're doing with employers, helping them realize, you know, what are their goals so that they can build this from the from the get-go to help them reach that point quicker. So I think that really covers a lot, you know, uh, like there's a lot that goes into just the simple aspect of finding yeah. somebody to find a job. And so uh, throughout your career, there seems to be that discovery of where you like to be in that process and kind of what you're bringing to the table. And I think to close it out, um, my last question would be, what do you feel is the most important thing you bring to the individuals you serve? Uh, are we talking about employers or are we talking about creative professionals? Why don't we take it from both? So give me one and then the other. Let me, well, I, I want to finish that last statement. You had asked me, because sure. uh, there's so, so many different ways to unpack this, right? You, you asked me, where are we today? And, you know, I've, as I've grown, as I've watched this design industry grow, I don't know how many people who are listening to this or who have been in this design industry as long as I have, I've remembered countless discussions with different lead design leaders, whether they were running their own agency or leading design in corporations, where we would say, one day, the world is gonna understand the value of design. One day, and, and I truly believed it. And I believe it, and it's happening now. 
used to be only so many companies were progressive enough to realize how impactful design is and, and have spent eons or not eons, but decades investing in design talent, right? There, you know, companies like P&G, um, you know, GE Healthcare, you know, um, Johnson and Johnson, you know, Phillips Design. I'm sorry, there's so many that I, I like BMW, right? These are, are, are companies that have been investing in design for ages. Um, Hewlett Packard, you know, there's, so, there's so many, but, and, but, the, but that's, that was the minority. And now I know that one day there will be designers in every company. And this is happening today because when it comes to design, design solves problems. Yes, first, it, the old fashioned notion is that we create products, physical products, by the way, right? That terminology is changing. Um, we're going to have a whole episode just on the beautiful uh, language that design's created that everybody else has reappropriated. But we're coming up to a point because of this pandemic. Every single business in every single industry around the globe, no world and no business model has left, been left untouched. Either businesses have died or stalled or booming. You know, the way they're running their businesses changed, the way their customers, their customers' value systems, lifestyles have changed, affordance right? Everything is changing. And now all kinds of businesses are needing design talent today. Some of those companies might need strategists. Some of those companies might, UX is obviously the biggest boom, right? But yeah, yeah. I mean, right now, I mean, and you and I know it, Sean, you know, being on the team now on the recruitment team, you know, and you're watching us as we're talking to companies, they're realizing, do I need to reevaluate our business model? Do we have to quickly invest in design more so that we can solve more problems? Because they start to realize, you know, one interesting reflect, um, inflection point is when corporations realize how impactful design is. They're wondering how quickly can they build it up to support all the different questions they start to, you know, the ticket gets so big, all the requests for design. Um, it's amazing. Design can now solve service, understanding your customer, producing new products, UX, um, culture. Yeah, inclusion. It's just so beautiful. We're at a beautiful point. And in the next, I think, five, 10 years, you will begin to see, I think, Absolutely. I truly believe you're going to see it. And I think it's seeing it already. Corporations, companies at every and any size realizing that they need some kind of design perspective to help them understand how to fix their problems and how to build new solutions. And, be oh, and I think, and I think in a, in a way you've also um, answered my last question there too, of what kind, what you bring, what's the most important thing you're bringing to the clients and candidates that work with you. And it really is this um, deep understanding of the field, but also of their concerns and basically helping these two, you know, factions that might have quite a gulf between them understand where they can help each other. And I think especially moving forward into the future with how, um, with how everything's been changing, as you mentioned, the constant change of language, but also the skills required. Um, yeah. It's fun kind of 
seeing that journey of how you are bringing these two disparate worlds together. So I think a lot of designers can owe you a great deal of thanks for starting a lot of those conversations and help uh, a lot of these businesses sort of learn how design can help them and how a lot of designers can learn to start seeing themselves. So, you know, I think on, the, on behalf of a lot of creative people, thank you, Angela. Thank you for helping us get there. I love it. Thank you. Um, I, yeah, I love it. I love where I've found myself and I'm, you know, to be able to be of service, to find my place in this creative industry, it's incredibly gratifying the kind of work that I get to do. And I'm just loving, you know, they're, yeah. And so many people are rushing into this industry and it's beautiful to see it. Um, so, and there's so many businesses that are finally building successful businesses because they're solving their problems with the right kind of creative leadership and talent to help them, you know? So it's beautiful. Well, uh, I can say one thing. Um, I do feel bad for all those rat pups who no longer have you around to help them. But uh, I think we're all better off that you're with us helping us out. So thanks for carving out this time to speak with me and really have this interesting, frank conversation about your past. And um, I hope to many future, very interesting conversations with you and a lot of other professionals in the design industry. I love it. Let's do it. Let's unpack more of this so that businesses understand design better and design professionals know where they can impact the, you know, the world better. Also, thanks to all of our uh, thanks to all of our listeners for also listening to this. And um, here's to many more interesting topics on this space. So stay tuned. Absolutely. Bye. And do tell us for all of you listening, what is it? There's so much we can talk about. And I'd love to know what is it that people want to understand, whether it's from the business side, understanding design or the design profession, understanding the business world and what they need. By all means, let us know. Thanks, John. Thank you for doing this business. I love it. Thanks.